All right, everybody, it's time again for Survival of the Fittest is the Soup du Jour. I'm Chef Roberto Trevino. Remember, we're all about inspiring people. We're all about sharing stories about kitchen life with cooks, chefs, restaurateurs. You know, that's what we do here. We're trying to discover what makes us that important in this world, right? What individually we could do to inspire somebody. And today, you know, today is a, a great day for me because you know what? I've learned, I think all of you, the listeners of Survival of the Fittest is a Soup Du Jour, like it when I bring guest chefs on so they can share our their stories with us. And, um, you know, I, we've been doing this for a long time and and I think it's time to start really venturing out. And, and, you know, since people are starting to hear the podcast, they're starting to, like, you know, really kind of get motivated to join us and share with us. And today, I have one of the wild chefs of, of the American food scene right now. And, you know, not only is he, like, really doing nice food, he's also cooking with uh, something that I enjoy, a really, really nice flavorful, high-end, you know, uh, 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 herb. And today with us, we have the ultra-fire chef, Randy Placeres. I tell you what, born and raised in Tracy, California. Tu sabes. He's lived and trained in Hawaii, Chicago, Aspen, L.A., New York City, Bangkok, and just recently was in one of my favorite places in the world in Oaxaca, Mexico. With you tonight, Chef Randy Placeres. ¿Cómo estás, hermano? Ah, maestro, ¿cómo estás? Y tú, sending you blessings. Thank you. You know, we always love that. Sending you blessings from, from the mountains in, in Aspen. You're in Aspen. Oh, man, that is the lap of luxury. There's no way, any other way to have it in Aspen, you know? And now that, like, like the marijuana thing is, is so important, I mean, in Colorado's economy, I think Aspen must be even more fun than it was before. <laughs> Aspen's always been fun, and it's still pretty damn fun. But um, yeah, we have more dispensaries than we have liquor stores. Oh, nice! And 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 another fun fact about uh, you know the beautiful plant in our town is that we were the first city or zip code uh, with a city sales tax that our our marijuana sales exceeded liquor sales, which is you know that's a big thing. I mean, like, yeah. I like to have a cocktail, you know. But uh, as far as healing, this is a this is a greater thing. So it's pretty cool. High Times picked up on that, and it made national news a couple years ago. Yeah, and High Times uh, being the absolute authority on getting high. <laughs> yeah, this is true. You know, the, the new owner Adam Levin. Uh, I cook for him. And man, that guy goes so hard. He's just, just ready to get me fucked up. Oh my <laughs> and he's god! Like, I love the it. Biggest businessman ever. He's like, just get me high. I'm like, all right, bro. And, and, just taste the food. And chef, let me ask you this: Can you regulate the amount of high someone's going to get from a dish, or does it affect people differently? Exactly. So there's no way to. I mean, you can. There's a, there's a few different like steps to you know hurdles that I've been like and others you know people doing edibles. Is like the testing of your oils, your you know your butters, your fat and salubles. Right. And and um, 
Yes. So the answer is it affects everybody differently. Yes. So what I, you know, what I, um, I microdose. Um, I actually, you know, talk to my clients, talk to the dinner, people that are engaged in conversation, let them know what's going on and what to expect. And then kind of ask them like what their, what their uh, cannabis intake is. And then like, you know, you kind of feel, you know, what, what, what people can handle, I guess. Once you have a little conversation with them. Well, I, so, yeah, I think I would go like with what? the ultra amount. Like I'd go like uber deep, heavy duty sedation <laughs> meal. Man, so that's that's so I've been fighting the brownie effect that everybody's had in college, right? They're like, man, I don't fuck with edibles. I'm like, no, no, no. I Timberlake. I didn't start an NV with him, but I I did a 420 dinner with my shaman in uh, Breckenridge, and he came to the dinner, but blah blah blah. But he's like, I Jeff, I will not eat. I can't eat weed, Brandy. Like I will, we can smoke, but I won't eat it. And I'm like, okay, okay, but but. But yeah, so like, I found like my my uh, the toughest burners, like my friends who just live in the in the mountains and burn tough like all day long, right? Nice. I got some of these guys to my house when I first started doing this, it was like 16, 17, 20, 20, 16, 17. and these guys were so. I'm like, how do you feel, man? They're like, oh. And their faces were just like, they're like, whoa, this is, this is, this is good. It's satiating. This is a beautiful high, man. And it's different. So that's what I, that's what, um, that's what I love about this, you know, one of the parts of it. No, definitely. And, and, and I find that eating it as well, it's got just a longer effect and a stronger effect. I mean, because I'm old school, you know, and, 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 and Same. burning is burning, you know, but. Eating it right. is totally different. I mean, I, I'm game for that, you know? Now, yeah. Now, in your, like, menus that you write, you actually incorporate the THC and everything into the food, into the, the, the courses. Well, it's, it's infused into the fat soluble. Right. So when I started this, I, I would do some research. Um, and right before we, we did Food One, you know, it was like, I think it was 2015 or 16 of what year. And I was like, dude, food lines is so corporate. So I'm like, I'm going to do a weed dinner. And and anyway, long story short, put it into like a coconut oil. I've, I've, I've infused like wedding cake strain into nice. duck fat. I've done like super, you know, mole negros with it. I do like a warm. Uh, here's one. So here's the deal. So like I'll hit people really hard in the appetizers section. Where like with the like it's, I do this like seared portulute brie tortellini, and I wrap it with prosciutto, and you know, sear nice. it, and I have this pomegranate dope sauce. Oh, nice! And the fat lipids in the cheese help like help to move through your through your liver, like you go through your stomach and then it goes through your liver. So it, it, it for some reason I found that with the number I'm up to like 420 dinners in the last. <laughs> like food related events around the world now really like it it's just like you hit them early with a heavy dose and then like kind of dance around with the terpenes and then maybe hit a cbd course so it like reactivates the cannabinoids in the thc and then like boom hit them with the indica oh like, wow 
going yeah no 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 you're definitely what i'm hearing right now tells me that you you this is very well thought out i mean you are definitely putting together not only great food but a certain experience of actually getting higher and higher and leveling out and possibly even getting higher with your uh, last course that right is- right or coming down with the indica strain nice. you know because it's part of that predominant like in the couch yeah, I'm the Indo guy myself. <laughs> Me too, bro. Me too. Like, I love that Blue Dream, and you know, I'm I'm a local boy from Cali. You know, been living in Colorado, Hawaii for a long time, but but like, yeah. I mean, you know, as a chef, okay. So you you've taken on this new view, but what makes you a chef? I mean, tell us a little bit about your your history, about your life. Oh uh, man, yeah. So, uh, God, it's so crazy. So, like, I was born in Tracy, California. What's up? Not five, three, seven, six. That's my, uh, so like San Joaquin Valley nice. is when I, when I was a kid, man, my, I believe my grandmother, Solorio, my grandfather was a ranchero from Michoacan, oh. 10 kids on my mom's side. And they lived in Carbona and surrounding me as a kid, apricots, cherry trees, tomatoes, like anything you could think of. We like that little town, everybody pushed out through, you know, um, all the way past like Modesto, like all the way, you know, everywhere you look, we had, we had food. My friends were all farmers. So, you know, that was like instilled in me. And then my abuelita on my dad's side, my Teresa Bustera, God bless all my family. She was like this beautiful Mexican chef. And like, that's where I knew where food is so special. And we sat down, we served my grandfather, as the Latinos do, you know what I mean? That was, a, it was like very important to sit. And like, just I remember just like everybody's in awe of my grandmother's cooking. Yeah. Um, so anyway, fast forward to barely getting out of high school, falling in love with like astronomy um, and, and like business law. I like I like some you know the stars and, and religion. I love religion. <laughs> so anyway, we did did music for a while. All I wanted to do was like rage against the machine, kind of like political stuff. I went through some bands of stock in Sacramento, Oakland. What kind of music? Then, uh, we did like heavy funk, thrash, political, like love music. Nice funk, thrash, love music. That sounds like my kind yeah, of man. <laughs> Yeah, and then Norcal stuff. So anyway, my band broke up when I went to my first trip to Europe. And and I thought I came back home. I had to come back home. I sat on my couch with my parents. I flipped it through the TV, super depressed. And I was like, man, what am I going to do with my life, man? Like, I just want to create. I just want to be a part of, like, creating something. Like, I don't want to work in a factory. I don't want to go to a- I mean, Amazon wasn't a Tracy at that time. Like, we had a lot of, you know, stuff like that. <clears throat> um, and I saw this chef on television. I just chopped through and he, he, you know, when we can cut the onion stuff where you just go, yeah. chop it really fast. And I was like, that was my epiphany. I was like, oh, I think I'll be a chef. Yeah, and from that moment, I was like, "Damn, I'm gonna, I could do that. I think I could do that." And I was, I was like anybody else, like with, you know, as an artist or whatever, like trying to figure shit out in life. I went to restaurants and said, "I will work for free if you let me, if you teach me how to go. I want to be a chef." And I went to a restaurant in Tracy, California, the Chinese restaurant, and I told the lady that she's like talking to her father in Mandarin. Then I like, it takes a long time, years to be a chef. You know, you know, I cannot work here put me on the floor after the lit lunch service. She's like, no, you're not qualified here. Sorry. And I'm like, lady, I'm like, you don't have to pay me. I'm like, literally, we'll just come here to wash dishes and 
you know, work for free because I, I really want to learn how to cook. And anyway, I didn't, I didn't let that restaurant family deter me from what I knew was kind of a calling, I guess, or what I wanted to kind of like pursue. And and from there, I, I, I man, I went to lunch with this beautiful girl, and she introduced me to this cool restaurant in Dutco, and the chef there like taught me how to make a marinara sauce. Like, I, I gave him the pitch. He's like, "Come right now, show me how to make a marinara." I'm like, "Oh my god!" So it was very tangible, and I was like super happy about that. And what year was this? All right, cool, cool, cool. All right. I remember that era in food. Definitely very hot, very cool. Things were shaking. Yeah, I mean California. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and so and and then you you, you were cooking in 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 California. You decided to go to Hawaii, is it? Is that your first like yeah, no, destination? Well, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it was like I knew that I knew that like you know, I, then I learned uh, a Caesar dressing. So I'm like, all right, cool. So this is endless. This could be endless. So I knew that this was like a career that I could just keep kind of moving and learning. And it was something I enjoyed learning. So I was like, okay, this is going to be good. One of my homeboys came back. Or I was at a, a, like this little restaurant in, in Tracy. And one of my good friends, Celio Sindralakis, who's out in Florida with you out there, he, uh, He's like, what are you doing, Rand? I'm like, yo, man, I think I want to be a chef, dude. I'm working at this restaurant. He's like, what? He's like, I live in, I live in Honolulu, bro. I'm cooking right now for the Harmon Nicholas Corporation. You want a job? I got you. We're building a brand new restaurant called Sorrento's, top of the Ilikai. I'll get you it. So I was like, what? Never thought I'd go to Hawaii, you know. Never, th- you know. And next thing I know, I packed up. I bought a one-way ticket, $800. Nice. And I landed in Honolulu, and boom, it was on been cooking yeah. for a bunch of years then you got it down you you decide you're in hawaii you know i mean you, you cook with some of the top names we talked earlier and you were just like you were belting out some serious cooking hands i mean the yeah, solid I mean, like, chops of the kitchen world i mean like i became literally like early students of before the you know the before the um I guess the, the, the celebrity chef was in transition with Chef Gordon. Well, I don't know if you've seen that documentary, but like, man, that guy put Emerald on. He put Larry Forgione. You know, he had all Peter Merriman, like all these great chefs, Roy Amaguchi, Alan Wong. Uh, uh, Thomas Keller came out to do the Grand Chef on uh, a while in, in Maui. And I used to just travel over, save my money and go just so I could like stage over there, sleep on the beach. And then go work with them. And like, so I was around these great chefs. And so at that point, I was just like, man, this is, this is going to be my life. And, it's, and a, it's a great life. I mean, I mean, the people who tune in with us are really dedicated culinarians. You know, people are into it. They write us. They tell us all the time. I'm a young cook. I enjoy your show. You guys kept keep it real. You know, um, you know, I, I've never, ever regretted a day in the kitchen i've absolutely adored every minute and it's always been a very golden place for me you know and it sounds like you have a very similar story that you know you kind of just fell in love with it i mean when you go to war like we were talking earlier let me interrupt you but like no no you're good when you're getting your meat and plots together and the restaurant you got 250 on the books to 300 because like the restaurant that i was like coming up and we had first term was all japanese you know 
second turn with all locals, celebrities, and then third turn was like, huh. So we were just like, I used to get knots in my stomach taking the elevator. I'm going like, I hope this guy's fucking yelling me. I hope I get my shit together. Like, and then, yeah. And then Mark, like my boy Mark, my, my boy Mickey, like we're on the line. Jeff's like fucking doing his thing. We have a big, big Greek owner that's just like, he don't fuck around. But we're all in the trenches together. Like, just like, I got your back. Boom, boom, boom. You know, when other went, when once that ticket started, it yeah. starts fucking going. And yeah. you're just like, all right, this shit is on. Let's go. Yeah. So, it, it, and it you have to make every play beautiful, yeah. you know, because that's what the Jeff wants and that's what the client is doing. Uh, definitely. It's, it's definitely, like you said, it's like war, you know, and it builds a camaraderie that will never be matched. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I remember cooks that I cooked with 30 years ago, like it was yesterday. And remember services, yeah. certain nights, you know, I mean, it's just amazing. The kitchen, you know, I, yes, you just bond, you just bond over like the hard work, the hours, the stress, the like working on Christmas, New Year's Eve, like Easter, like, Shit, I don't even know what that's like still. I mean, like, I work every Christmas pretty much. Yeah. I have my own business now, so if I wanted to take it off, I could most certainly take any day off I wanted to. But, you know, we're, we live in, we live that life, man. That's Jeff's life. And, 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 and also, I, I respect all my boys. No, and also that everyone girls, knows each women. other. No, the women, are you kidding? They're dominating the business, as it should be. I mean, yeah, they're good, you know? Hell yeah. I mean, I remember even back in the 90s, I had, I was working at a place where the chef, his sous chef was a woman was very rare in the early nineties, you know, and, uh, yep. but she was hard. Susan come, uh, Susan bell. I used to call her Susan Campana because, you know, last Campan- in the, in Spanish, tu sabes, bell is Campana, sí. but Campana, uh, she was amazing. She could whip out service. She could butcher. She yeah. would do pastries and the men were all oh, complaining. Man, so beautiful. <laughs> Their fingers like they, yo, amazing. I, I hear you. 100 and a lot of them are patients just yes but then you started like i was in the 90s then i I'm, i met the mother of my children siobhan and she was studying at northwestern so i went to chicago i left beautiful hawaii and i had and remember charlie charter's first cookbook yeah yeah the most beautiful freaking like it was like a bordeaux color it yeah, was yeah, like exactly. where the food was the art like it wasn't these like like let's Put it up on a fucking like you know, take a picture of the food with all this garnished like plants and shit around it. It was like all up in the food where you're like, damn, I see that couscous, I see that eggplant. Whoa, I see like like little like hairs of fiddlehead fern or whatever, and you're just like, what? And then at the cook, I was just like bugging out. So and Charlie Trotter so also was like, he actually showcased his sous chefs in that book. You know, he always yeah, gave Reggie. them their place. You know, bro, yeah. No, so no, my but, first date, yeah, go ahead. No, no, please, please go on. Yeah, no, no. So like, I went to Chicago to follow follow this this lovely, beautiful woman, and I'm like, I want to go to, I want to go straight to Two Armitage. I want to see Charlie's restaurant. She's like, all right, let's. I'll drive you by there. We'll go by. Just literally just day o day, just out the jet. I go there and I see this brick brick, brick like just this. Little, I'm like, whoa, okay, cool. This is cool. And I'm like looking around in awe because I'm like, and like I'm so like this guy's my hero. And I see Chef walk by like from like the private kitchen to the main kitchen, and I was like, Chef, and and like he, he like turns around and nobody's there. It's like super early before service, 
He's like, yeah. He's like, I said, oh, sorry. Uh, hi, my name's uh, Randy Pucers. I just moved from Hawaii. Um, I'm a young cook. I'm, I'm like, man, I would, I would love to work for you, sir. And he's like, huh? He's like, oh, okay. He's like, why do you want to work for me? And I was like, oh, you're the best. And he looked at me like I was an idiot because you know he has, he's not the best. He's one of the great ones in Chicago, and he has his chefs, right? But I was like, so you know, I didn't know what to say. And I said, well, I'm sorry, sorry. I said, Jeff, if I were able to cook for you or work for you, I would be able to work with ingredients that I would not be able to pretty much anywhere in this country, and a lot of let alone Chicago. And he was like, hmm. all right, come on side. I was like, what? I was like, what? And then I went into the kitchen, man, and I went into the Charlie Charlie's Kitchen in Armitage, that world famous restaurant. Mm-hmm. And like Reggie was there, Guillermo was there. Those like his old, those are his two steps. Yeah, you were Guillermo. Talking about. Oh, Guillermo, no mother. That guy's a beast. Same, those dudes, they were so fucking like. So they, so listen to this. I don't mean to like keep rambling, but I I go, and he's like Guillermo Reggie. This uh, kid from Hawaii, what's your name again? Uh, Randy. Yeah, he wants to work. He's like, get him an apron. Let's, you know, let's uh, let's see what he could do. And I was like, what? I was not ready for that, right? And I said, well, chef, you know, I'm supposed to have dinner to be my fiance because I was engaged at the time, and her uncle was a big architect in Chicago. And he's like, I said, I have supposed to have lunch with my fiance's uncle today. And he's like, you could do that anytime. You want to work for me or not? And I'm like. Yes, yes. I called her up and I said, she wants to work with Charlie Trotter. She's like, what? <laughs> and so, like, yeah, from there, I was like, man, it was incredible. It was an incredible situation. Um, and to just to wrap the story up, Siobhan was going to Northwestern and I had heard about Trio. And Trio was like, Sean McClain was a step at the time. Then Grant, that just, like, you know, finished up with Eric Charmonta was the original step with Gail Gann. And um, so, like, I had to go see Trio, and Bill Kim was there. He just left Charlie Trotter's, and I wanted to, like, take the train with my fiance. And Trio just had this vibe of, like, and it was it was the best call for me. So, like, you know, I, I not to say I turned Charlie Trotter down, but I took I took a job at uh, Trio. And Trio, I mean. Talk about presentation. Talk about just using different style plates and props and things. Yeah, you know it. Oh yeah, (laughs) Henry Adania, man, he had a visit. He was an artist himself. He knew that the that the chef who ran and the guys who worked. You know, we have we're a culinary arts. I guess go ahead and you know we call it our craft or our passion. But ultimately, yeah, it's art. The biz, the biz was different then, and I, and I, there was a, you know, you can talk about the age of the grand hotels of Paris and London and New York, and that age yeah. has passed on, you know, and then we get into this age where, where the chefs in America were truly working hard to show the chefs of yeah. Europe, you know, that we had the, you know, the chops to make it happen, and yeah. Uh, and yeah. now, post-COVID, I mean, of course, then came the whole Food Network and the whole television angle, and chefs kind of said, well, am I entertaining or am I a good chef, and on and on. And now, post-COVID, I mean, how do you see the yeah. biz? I mean, I mean, it, it's changed a lot, you know? Yeah, well, here's, here's the deal. So, like, yes, yes, America finally came up, and, like, we kind of defined, like, with, 
with, you know, Larry Ford's young with American, you know, American cuisine. And uh, got to have all my uh, great New York chefs and California cuisine and the Hawaiian regional chefs. And then, like, we just embraced who we were, right? Using French techniques, but, like, not really trying to be anything else, but we, we were becoming American chefs. And, and that's what I remember about that, that whole scene. Yes, we always look up to, to, to the, you know, the Alain, the Alain Ducasses and, you know, the great chefs with the, with the French techniques, but Asian food, mm. you know, we were able to do other food because we're America. You know, it's kind of like what Australia went through. We don't, we, we didn't really have an American cuisine, so we took everybody who's in our country who makes us wonderful, and that was our cuisine. No, oh, no, definitely, and, and 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 you know, like today, I mean, do we see that still push that push from chefs? Do we see that that, well, that intensity that we lived through? I mean, literally, it was like joining the army. I, yeah, no, no, the brigade is like, and that's why I like Trio, because they're just like, everybody's like, nobody wanted to cut you down, and that's all I knew. My chef just to fucking make me cry. I just, like, literally, like, break tears and be like, man, why do they hate me so much, man? I'm trying so hard. But that was the, that was the mentality of the brigade, is like, break you down to nothing to bring you up to the way they wanted to see you. So, but to answer your question, Chef, what I see, like, and that's a lot of, like, decades between like that time in the 90s to like where we are now yeah and like i think i think america's come so far and there's such great food everywhere especially like in los angeles san francisco chicago houston obviously new york um all over everywhere you can find great food right although you can't forget the south like this is this is this is this is, this is great stuff but to to if you want to lose money or like lose a friend that wants to invest in your restaurant, yeah. then make it open a restaurant. You know, you know, and like you will, you know, it's it's blood, sweat, and tears, and then like fucking more blood and more burns and more tears, and then happiness and grind. And you know, if you're, you know, you you always want to do is our food to make people happy and like see if the place come back clean. Now with COVID, what I what you know. And the entire world's going through is like convenience. And America's about fucking convenience. And it really like I, I just I'm not a I like I'm not okay with it. You know, the Uber Eats, that's great. Like nobody wants to go out anymore, sit down and nobody wants to cook and like it's just like, yo, I mean, not to say nobody wants to cook in America. So there's a lot of people who are who feel like we do. I just cooked for a client. He fucking do more shit than I did. I was just like, God damn, bro. He's like, you make that? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, damn, you're a CEO of a hedge fund? I'm like, that's fucking, that's pretty impressive, Leland. And anyway, it's like, it's like, so people find this, like, gift. And it, and, you know, it truly brings you this, like, this, like, you know, to, 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 it doesn't become a chore. It becomes, like, therapy. You know, and like, you know, if, if you want to order Uber Eats and there's great shit that comes very fast and boom, 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 and your food, you feel it has a soul, then eat it. Or if it's just like something to give you protein and like energy, then yeah, yeah, eat some great food. That's like very easy to get. New Yorkers are very like that way. No, I'm going to go get Bernadette dead and have it dropped off of my house. Like whatever, man. Like, you know, go to the grocery store, cook your food, learn what you're eating, learn where it comes from. Fuck, maybe try to grow it. Right. You know? 
No, Def. Now, now, Chef, I mean, tu nombre es placeres. I mean, in, 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 in español, I mean, in English, that means pleasures. As a chef, is that name work Ow. for you or, 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 or as a ladies' man, obviously, because you just do. Oh, my God. So I just got back from Oaxaca, you know, and like, yeah, Randy Placeres. Yeah. And it's just like, it's so funny because Randy's horny. In England, so I'm like corny pleasures. That's I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, like, it's so great what you're doing and just being able to talk. And I was like, when I was putting up a post about that, and I tagged up my old chef buddies and shit. I'm like, yo, you gotta check this out when it pops. And they're like, ah, oh. I'm like, yo, it's chef driven. We talk about like, you know, we talk about chef life, man. I remember a trio, like people would be like, "Oh, this guy had a, like a like an MBA. He was a lawyer, and he had seen some like he he was like he came to stage at trio because we had people pop in like just like regular like people, not like like Anthony Bourdain like dirty ass cooks like yeah. you know like 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 the real cooks like you're either cooking for work because you need it or you're cooking because you're a chef, you know? Yeah, and like. You know, some Latinos that just go in for a job end up kicking asses over the culinary fucking kids and they become the chef because they work hard. They have a, you know, they just, they, they, they're, they have, what do we, you know, you have, yeah, you have desire and you respect for what you do. And so anyway, like this guy came in and I was just like, what are you doing in here dude? Like, oh my God, you have no idea. Like, but that's what happened to me. You know, I looked at when that chef, that Chinese chef, he was like, it takes me years, years. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. So anyway. Now that is, that is just a, I mean, you know, that is what this show is all about. And this is what we like to share these stories. And that's why I just let my guests just really take over and share with us what they want to share with us. But what I want to know is if there was mm -hmm. one person in history that, or any time now, history, whenever, one person you could cook for, who would you cook for? I mean, I know that's. Oh, a wow. Oh wow, that's uh. I mean, my grandmother Pusteris, like, I would do my relatives for sure, my ancestors. Wow. You know, I would like my whole lineage of my family, to where if it goes back to the Mayans or the Aztecs or the Spaniards or like you know even Russia. God bless Russia. I was like, no war, Russia. Like, who knows? I don't even know. I've never taken a DNA test. But if I could cook, and if that's just not just not one person, but if I could find that one person that has that one thing with that one other person that would cook for them nice and that's really what it's all about i mean you know i mean how many how many people we cook for that are like famous in our lives you know and it's like you know you cook oh. for them and in the end you just kind of say like you know what that was cool they enjoyed my food and whenever you see them on tv or anywhere on the on the court or in the field you say to yourself yeah i cook for that guy I cook for yeah, her. Yeah, I know that guy. You know, dude, I know that guy. Cocina, yeah. I know where he lives. Dude, I got the coat to his door. <laughs> like, yeah, I know it's real. It's real. But here's one thing, and I don't know how much time we got. But I'm like, I've had all these ideas about cookbooks, and like, I've been in Aspen for 22, 23 years now. Oh, really? I went out there with Barbie Benton. Oh, and wow. George Rather. They have this crazy space house. They like pick me up in Honolulu when I work for Yamaguchi, and they offered me a shit ton of money. And I just got married to Savannah. And I was like, I'm going to Aspen? Like, what the hell is this? So anyway, fast forward with two kids. They're in college now. Hi, Mayhem and Judy. They, uh, it's like, man, I've cooked for the wealthiest, most powerful. This next month, I'm cooking for some, some, you know, 
royal royal family uh, on the download. I don't, I don't even get to speak yet, but like wow. the celebrities and the billionaires and the powerful people. What I've learned, Chef, is like they're just, now they're just like us. They want to like the wealthy people. They're like, do you know about this caviar? Blah blah blah. Because that's like upper echelon shit, right? Yeah. But like when it comes down to it, money doesn't mean anything. And I've cooked privately, and I've been in these people's homes, so it doesn't really make you super happy. It doesn't make like you don't have to chase money, you know. And um, our country is all about money. Like not everybody, but it's like you know we're a capitalist country. And, like, we need to get back to, like, something that's more important, I feel. <laughs> and just to finish that thought, so my cookbook's going to be called I Never Cook and Tell Until Now. <laughs> and I've, I think I've signed, like, one NDA with, like, Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld or something. And one with, like, a couple, you know, big, big, super huge basketball players. And um, one actor. <laughs> like, I got a big, big list. Nice. So like it's gonna be like a, it'll be like this story that I just told you, but with the recipe here, like funny ass story there, like this is what you know. This was Justin Timberlake. I cooked for JT, a John Legend ate this. Like he was like, Yo, Randy, you wanna go on tour with me? And I'm like, He's like, The girls are hot. This is before Tegan. <laughs> and I'm like, Yo, I got two girls that are they're like twelve. Like, you know, I can go, bro. But yeah, so that's gonna it's, that's the one I think I'm excited to do. Oh man, the that was the cannabis. That was the cannabis. That sounds, the cookbook sounds amazing, man. I mean, nothing like being an author, chef author, you know? Yeah. It is from Chingon, yeah. brother. <laughs> no, I'm just Love no that. Definitely. Hey, I wanted to ask you, chef, like when you guys came to Food and Wine, we talked earlier today, mm-hmm. you guys came, like, was Puerto Rico, right? Yep. Where you, you were like leading the pack with that whole hog, like coming through with yep. the horns. Yep. Yeah, yep, I remember Mario, that with Yo, Mario Pagan. I was like, "That is so fucking fire!" <laughs> and I had like, I had like five, you know, because I cater over that, and I have like all these big clients. But I'm like, "Yo, that's the dopest shit this year, right there." But he was doing like, I'm like, "Are you serious? That is fucking so cool." I will never forget that. Yeah, well, Aspen's definitely for me was super memorable as well. I mean, talk about just a privileged place to be, and you sound like you're really killing it up there in the mountains. Really sounds exciting, and that uh, your story yeah, is like, amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm a very lucky kid from Tracy, man, who washed a lot of dishes, who, who you know, pays attention to people, waiters, dishwashers, like uh, like I'm friends with everybody, man. Billionaires, street people, like everybody gets the same. My friend Celia, friend Delacus, who got me into the restaurant, he's like, the guys will come back, and he's like. Uh, VIP, this is a VIP. And he would be like, fuck you. Like, everybody's a VIP to me, bro. I cook the same for everybody. You know, Every plate I put my 100%. And uh, he just did the shit. I was just like, damn. And I, that dude, like, yeah, that's still with me. I love that. Oh, yeah, well, you know what we got to do? We got to get you to Puerto Rico. We got we to gotta get you down there to cook some some of your Good. style cooking, you know? And, yeah, uh, bitch. Man, do, I would love that. Do a big I would dinner. love that, man. You know, Puerto Rico is such a cool place. I mean, you know, Puerto really. man, I would that would be like that would be a, an honor for me. Well, that sounds Anytime. great. Well, Chef Placeres, it's been an absolute pleasure sharing this time with you. <laughs> I look forward to doing more things and getting that book and hearing yeah. more of your great stories and and really 
getting you out there as much as possible. It sounds like you're doing it on your own, you know? You know what? You really reignited me, and I didn't even talk about the cannabis stuff that I've been, I was, like, forging the cannabis, like, before, like, there was, like, three other sets in the country doing it. It I was one of them. And then, you know, so you reignited me to get back. You know, I do political plates now. I do, like, sacred geometry on my plating. I'm, like, on a whole other level, man. I was like, just for myself, not not in competition. I don't do any of those competition stuff because, like, if, we're, if it's like art, it's like, who, who's to say, like, this better? You know what I mean? It's, we're all winners. So thank you for having me. Oh, no, it's an absolute pleasure, like I said. And I tell you another thing. It's like getting you to Puerto Rico is going to happen. So wait for that call. Okay. I tell you what, Chef, it's, again, it's yeah. been absolutely such a great time with you. Your story is amazing, and I'm glad <laughs> you could share it with us today here in Survival. So look forward to seeing I you soon, Chef. Where, where, can right. we, where, can my, where can our listeners find you? Now, I usually just do a little bit of stuff on uh, Insta that follows over to, like, uh, Facebook, but like my Instagram is at Chef Randy Placeres. At Chef Randy And there Placeres. you can see, yeah, and it's uh, R-E-N-D-Y-P-L-A-C-E-R-E-S. Nice. And then you can see like the, the evolution of the cannabis kind of stuff that's been over the years when I was with High Times and I, I went to Bangkok to do dinner, just got back to Mexico. Where we did day of the dead dinner and we got the end. Like, but it's just been traveling, man, spreading the uh, love and preaching the gospel of, of marijuana. Yeah, I have some great Oaxaca stories I'll have to share with you another time. <laughs> Let's do it over at the Mezcalway. Well, thanks a lot, Chef. We'll talk soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting me ramble, ramble, ramble on. It was awesome. Much love. Thank, thank you, you, sir. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Chef. Excellent. All right, y'all, there you have it, Chef Randy Placeres. This guy is amazing. My couple conversations I've had with him, he's inspired me, by the way, because that energy he has, and he's really pushing the envelope. I'm glad I could bring him to all of you. Make sure you follow him. Keep in touch with us as well. Mention where you heard us. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, this is another episode, another podcast of Survival of the Fittest is the soup du jour. I'm Chef Roberto Trevino, and I'll see you in the kitchen. See ya.